We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, December 20th, and my name is Scott Shera. I am Grace's dad. I uh, received a text on my way up to my office this morning, which is really funny. One of the guys who watches us regularly said, you, you started out your program with a lie. And it's because these programs don't get published for a couple of days after we record them. But I, I always start out with the date so that we have for the record what day it was recorded. So I thought that was cute. Anyway, one of the reasons God allowed Grace's premature death was to save others and wake others up. And the person who needed to be woken up the most was me. And that's why this podcast is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad. As I've been woken up, I had to come to grips with how programmed I was and still am. And I'm waking up in real time and share things as they as they come into my life. So uh, we're going to start as we always do, because uh, this is a tribute. It started as, and it still is a tribute to my best buddy, Grace. So we're going to show a couple of pictures of Grace that have never been shown before. Uh, my wife sent me these this last week. So the first one, Don, can you bring up Grace doing her homework? So you wouldn't necessarily pay attention to these details that are there, but you can see her nails. So I used to paint her nails. Uh, that's a little known secret. And then you see, of course, she's got one of her cats in her arms and she's diligently doing her homework and we homeschooled and that's, uh, that's what it looks like in the homeschool environment. And then the second picture, Don, can you bring up the picture of Grace and I? So <laughs> the first thing you should realize with this picture is, holy cow, have you aged a bunch? And it's because, you know, Grace kept me young. Yeah, in this fight that I'm in, I have put on some miles and have aged a ton since she died. And it's uh, it's been a little over two years. And anyway, Grace's gift that God gave her was the gift of encouragement. And I have another man who has a gift that God gave him. And his name is Scott Miller, and he's my guest today. So, uh, Don, can you bring Scott in? Good morning, Scott. Good morning. So Scott and, Scott and I have a couple of things in common. Obviously, we have the same first name. So uh, that's uh, that's an easy one. It's an easy one for me to remember. Last week, we had a, uh, a man on whose first name was Don. So same name as our producer. So that really got to be confusing. So the other thing that Scott and I have in common is we were in the same book together, although I didn't realize that until Scott uh, talked with me on the phone. And so I have a copy of the book right here. So can you see that all right? Yep. Absolutely. All right. So it's called uh, Rise of the Fourth Reich. And of course, the Third Reich was uh, the Nazis in World War II. And now we have a worldwide Holocaust. And Scott is in Chapter 4, and I'm in Chapter 6 of the book. So uh, it's pretty interesting to know that our stories have crossed uh, in the minds of Steve Steve Deese and Daniel Horowitz way back when they wrote the book. So I'm going to do... It's somewhat of a long introduction to Scott because he's got quite a pedigree relative to a to this fight, and I, it's just so impressive. I want to do more of an introduction than I usually do. So first, I'm going to read a short bio, and then I'm going to share what your wife shared on your um, 
your give, send, go, which I presume was shut down because you were spreading propaganda. Ours was shut down for the same reason. <laughs> so Scott Miller's a physical assistant and previous owner of Miller Family Pediatrics. He was blessed to have found information in mid-March of 2020 that led him to understand the pathophysiologic, <laughs> well, you know what the word is, of the bioweapon and began putting hundreds of hours of work researching possible therapeutics along with implementing trials in his clinic daily. He spoke out against the lockdowns mandates in Olympia at the Washington State Capitol in May of 2020, which led to the state's initial investigations. He had the privilege of writing hundreds of exemptions, doing everything he could to protect a patient population and community, and had the honor of treating thousands of patients and the privilege of advocating for and getting over 100 people out of the ICU in local hospitals and many more around the country. He considered his work as simply doing his job as people were reaching out for help and care. So Scott's wife's name is Shelly. She, I did, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I captured some of the things that she wrote in the Gives and Go, and it really, it really hit me uh, when I read this, and that's why I want to read it. So this is what Shelley wrote. I admit that at one point, so you got to envision Scott is literally killing himself trying to save people. He's not getting any sleep. I talked with him over the phone, and he he was telling me about this. It's like it, it's insane what he did during this time. So this is. That frames what Shelley wrote. So here we go. Uh, Shelley wrote, quote, I, I admit that at one point I was one of those that begged him to stop. I was afraid of what was going to happen to my husband, to our family, our livelihood, our business, and to the many families he cares for in our community. He just kept saying, Shelley, I can't. If I don't care for these people, who will? I admitted to him that I didn't know anybody else. It was a very short time later, it's hundreds of friends of mine. It was a very short time later that several friends of mine lost their fathers tragically and unnecessarily, that it truly hit home for me that my husband, a man who repeatedly said to me, love, this is not a me thing, this is a God thing. And I, and all I did was choose to obey. And he did and he was or and he has hundreds of nights his phone would ring and he would tell how sorry he was that he could had to take time for the call i would look at him and just say good night i love you save the world but don't stay up all night so many times now in thousands of people's lives almost everyone on them a stranger he was the only and many times the last lifeline to preserve life I could write a book about the things I've personally seen, the hundreds of stories he has shared with me, the heartbreak I have seen in his eyes that I know his heart bears. I just want for people to know Scott, apart from the lies and the vitriol written, who don't know who this man is, his character and his dedication and his love that he has and gives to those in need every day, to hear a wife's perspective on who Scott Miller my husband really is, end quote. Um, you know, there's nothing more powerful than a supportive wife. And, you know, I can see she was the, she was the reason that you're able to pull this off. Yeah, you know, it's, when I read that the first time I cried, it was, it had that impression on me.
All right, I wanna do a couple more things by way of introduction, Scott. So first the title, I've, I've titled this today, why would his medical license be revoked for saving people? Scott Miller explains his experience. So I'm gonna have Don play the short clip that was on um, one of the programs that you were on, Gateway Pundit. So he's gonna play a little clip of that and then we're gonna show a newspaper clip. So Don, can you play that clip right now, please? In his many presentations, respondent glaringly omits a recommendation for vaccination when discussing ways to prevent the risk of severity or severity of COVID-19 infection. Well, I guess this was written pre her ability to see that it does not mitigate somebody getting infected or sick or dying. So I forgot to, I forgot to add, hey, get vaccinated, you won't get sick because I didn't want to lie to people. Recommended that patients with COVID infection avoid going to the hospital <laughs> because he contends hospital protocols are completely ineffective and the hospital-based providers blindly follow rigid and ineffective guidelines rather than considering compelling research on supplements and repurposed medications. Over 700,000 Americans have needlessly died in our hospitals. So yeah, yeah, you go to the hospital and all of your patient rights are gone. You're isolated most of the time family member can go days without even being able to speak to a doctor, no less their loved one. So yeah, uh, inpatient guidelines used were evidence-based and consistent with standard of care. The treatment options recommended by respondent lack demonstrated efficacy. Mechanical ventilation, standard of care at Peace Health Hospital, Peace Health Southwest, Vancouver, Washington. Hmm. Well, what do they have about a 10% survival rate once they're ventilated? So Gateway Pundit did this article. I dug into uh, the report you were quoting from, Scott, that was from an MD. I don't remember her name anymore, but she Leslie was- Leslie Enzian, Dr. Leslie yes. Enzian, University yes. of Washington, Leslie Enzian. So she was tasked with putting her name and I presume writing the majority of this, uh, you screenshot the, the report. I mean, this report was to- um, presumably convince the medical examining board to remove your medical license. And I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, you're quoting, I mean, everything was foolishness beyond foolishness. I just picked a few of those so people could see how they do it. I mean, they lie. They lie in these reports so that the medical examining board will believe them. And this just, you were talking to me off camera, Scott, about yesterday was a tough day because we had a pharmacist file for, 100 page plus complaints against three of the doctors and one nurse who murdered Grace. And we just received the redacted reports from the medical examining board's review uh, the day before. And I reviewed them yesterday and it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, they lie. They basically lie so that they don't have to be held to account. So that was already, that was in January of 2022. That was almost two years ago. Don, can you just bring up the screenshot then? This was a, a rally. Uh, there was an article about a rally that was done to support Scott in the local community, which is fantastic. And then I, I will tell you how I got introduced to Scott. One of the people following Grace's story wrote me and it, the Substack article that he sent me, this is what it said, quote, we were informed by one of the Washington Medical Commissioner's attorneys on Friday 
November 17, 2023, that Mr. Miller's license had been permanently revoked. We don't know how this will impact his hearing, but all are welcome to attend to show support for Mr. Miller as this newly unfold, unfolds, we ask for your continued prayer and financial support. All right, so that's a long backdrop, Scott. So I would like you to share your story and then get us up to speed as to where things are at uh, with your license, the hearing, et cetera. So the floor is yours. You said something and like i've been steeped in this that i don't get emotional i mean like like i always want i always want bad to hurt but when you said that like god used grace's death for you to like to awaken you like the fact that it we're at a point where it takes this kind of loss for us to have the courage or 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 to be like for the Holy Spirit to like like for you to to use that that loss and that pain to right, to do what you're doing and to, to like to create this awakening and, and allow people to open their eyes and see what's going on it's like i hear that and it's like the, the tragedy of the purposeful termination of innocent lives for 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 what i mean like well, we know what what it's for but it so we'll start at the beginning um i so I had, a, I had a pediatric practice, started my own pediatric practice, like what I don't even know anymore, like seven years ago, in 2017. And, um, and I even got in trouble for doing that because of the reason that I started it was because I didn't feel like I could actually care for, for, for children, for families the way I, I thought I should be able to do it because I was stuck in this rigid system. And I was, I was actually in a private practice, but I still couldn't do the, the, the testing, the, the therapies that I, I felt were necessary. And, and my wife was like, well, just like, well, what do you need to do to be able to do that? And I was like, quit, like quit and like, like start my own practice. And she's like, is that, is that a viable option? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Um, but it's like God just kept putting these pieces together and, and like a friend, my primary care, like, like my doctor is like, Scott, like start your own practice. Like you, you, you have a gift and I hate saying that I, I, I have a, a level of care that sometimes exceeds what reimbursement will allow. So he's like, well, right. Know. I mean, you're, you are restricted in, so I used to go to a private practice too, but I learned through uh, when I was diagnosed with heart disease, I learned, uh, you know, it was, a, it was quite a wake up call. It was actually in uh, the beginning of 2018. So what you were experiencing, I was experiencing at the same time, which was they accepted Medicare and Medicaid. 
And because they accepted Medicare and Medicaid, they had to follow standards of care, whether or not they were right or wrong. And it's like, what is going on here? And that was my wake up call. Unfortunately, I wasn't awake enough to realize uh, that this is this is designed that way. But yeah, keep going, Scott. You're right on. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I quit. I just I quit my job and hung a shingle and in the process, you know, took time to build out. So I, I just did home care. I had actually I had I had my bag, had all my stuff and I would go home to home doing newborn well child checks with my scales and 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 um sick care and you know, I would work my way through the community just going house to house I'd have breakfast with families and which was fascinating because then I could actually so my specialty was special needs you know like autism uh ADD, ODD, you know like, like these things that just got pawned off on it's like parents like like if you're just better parents your kids would be better kids or like yeah Medicate, Medicaid, Medicaid. And so I had, it was, it was such an eye-opening thing because I'd be in the home, like the, the gift of being in the home. And I'm like having breakfast, I'm watching these kids. And I was like, like, this isn't a mom problem. This isn't a discipline problem. There's, there's other things going on. And, and um, since the, the wait time for any type of analysis or evaluation was 12 to 15 months, I, I was like, well, I better, like buck up and like, like I like get smarter, like, because what I was taught versus what I was seeing versus, you know, like from nutrition and, and like all of these things, like we're not taught any of this in training. And so it was, so it, I'm just saying like the lead up, it's like what we are told versus what the reality is are so conflicting that, I, I got to a point where it's like, there was, there was nothing that I could study, read or whatever in any pediatric literature that would make me smart enough or studies that would make me, that, that would give me the right information so that I could help these kids outside of medicating a way of behavior. I'm like, that's a huge problem. Right. That's it. Because I don't want to freaking medicate kids just because. Did I? Yes, because I lived in a in a an area of, of ignorance for a long time. And listen, there's there's a time and place, but but when that's your go-to, when that's your only like arrow in your quiver, that's a problem. And so like we'll fast forward. Thank God I quit because when COVID hit, so it was March twelfth of of twenty twenty, which was my birthday, when Washi shut down. I'm like, what just happened? Like, but this is antithetical to anything I've ever seen or heard. Where Fauci and Burks are talking about, there's nothing we can do about this. Like, not knowing it was a bioweapon at the time, like this virus. I was like, but like, well, well, it doesn't affect kids. I mean, we were told that like early on, it yep. doesn't affect kids. It's like, well, H1N1 did. It's like. So how is it that it doesn't affect kids? So it affects the elderly and comorbidities, people with comorbidities. So if we know that, like, can we start parsing things out? Like, if we know that there's a certain segment of the population that is infected, then ask the question, like, multiplicity of questions, why? 
and then so I started studying SARS and MERS and H1N1. And then three days later, on March 15th, I found an article. It was like literally on like Google page, like six or seven out of Italy that had, it was, it, I should have sent this to you. I apologize because it's, it's the blueprint. So this, it was posted on March 11th of 2020 out of Italy. And it was the blueprint. And I didn't know what fear and cleavage sites were. I didn't know what, what, you know. When you say the blueprint, do you mean the blueprint for the whole PSYOP? No, no. Like no, the, the the blueprint like, for, like, for like the pathophysiology. It's like how it binds ACE to, like how it binds to ACE two receptors, how it how how it activates like the transmembrane serine protease two to cleave S1 that allows that to open up for S2 to, to get into the phospholipid bilayer and get into the cell. All these things. And I'm like, I don't it, it was in Italian. So the, the heading was it was COVID-19 pneumonia and the melatonin connection. And I was like, what? Like melatonin connection? I'm like, that's crazy. And it's like 1 a.m. Well, actually, so it was it was December 16th. And my wife is like, Shelly's like, what? What are you reading? And I'm like pacing back and forth, walking through our, our bedroom. And I'm like, listen to this. Like, and I'm flipping through. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know yet. And all of a sudden, it gets down to... Like ACE2 receptors and it's like people on lisinopril, like 90 million doses of lisinopril are, are prescribed every year. And it's like, holy crap. And I'm just saying for the thing, it's like that increases the expression of ACE. So that's like basically a beacon. So all these people on hypertensive medications, especially the prills, the, the ACE2 medications. And again, didn't know anything about it. And I keep going and it's talking about melatonin, which is the most potent immune immunomodulator in our, in our body, not, not the pineal gland melatonin, but our subcellular melatonin. I'm like, you know, so like my, my make nine times the amount of melatonin my mom makes. Why does that matter? And as, as we started getting into it, it's like, well, all of that, like the, the interstitial fluid leakage into the lungs, melatonin mitigated that vitamin D like add like we're talking 60, 80, you know, like my grams per deciliter of vitamin D, like these things where it's like, why, why aren't Fauci and Burks talking about this? Like they're standing at the podium every day. Why aren't they sharing this information? This is right. March 15th. And I'm looking at it, it's like, holy crap. Like this is fixable, like obviously. Right. But like, they're not like nothing is being said. They're saying, go hide inside. They're shutting down our schools. And like my, my business was caring for kids and they're, they're sending them home and telling them they could be death vectors if they visit grandma and grandpa. So they're hiding out in their rooms and I'm losing my mind about this. And, and, um, so at this point you're, you're believing, okay, yeah, this is a real thing. Uh, and you know, I'm not talking about whether it's a virus or not, but I mean, it, it's just your perception is this a real thing? And there's people who are ahead of the curve and they've shown what is the solution. So there were already solutions, which, you know, we know that our public officials should be promoting solutions, but you're wondering why are they promoting this narrative? It doesn't make any sense. Well, even out of China, right? So, so China in those hospitals, they used antimicrobials. They like first line was was antibiotics, 
and then second line was high dose, uh, like uh, solumedrol, like methylprednisolone. So, so when I started seeing that our hospitals, because, and and that's when HHS gets involved and and remdesivir, the whole remdesivir thing, where it had to be used as a monotherapy, like for them to get the funding to get that extra money you would have somebody go into the hospital with 104 fever, severe sepsis, and they would say severe sepsis sepsis protocol, which would mean they would start them on antimicrobials, but then they would get a chest x-ray and they'd say COVID-19 pneumonia. And they they wouldn't even initiate it because you can't can't give an antibiotic for viral infections. So they'd put them on remdesivir. I'm like, like, it's hard not to hear. I'm like, holy crap. Like, like, you go into the ER and they put you on antibiotics just because, and all of a sudden, and I didn't get this, I started advocating fairly early on because I started treating early on. And like, like within a day, like the next day, patients would call. And so I, I have to deviate. I started taking care of the adults because no one was like they would. So like a mom or dad would come in and, and I would do like a well child check and they're hacking up a lung. I mean, they're coughing and coughing and coughing and sick as all get out. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on with you? And I'm like, well, I've been sick for, this is like February, March of 2020. I've been sick for a couple of weeks and the ER sent me home and nothing's working and I'm listening to their lungs. I'm like, holy cow. And so I would I'm like, well, are you cool if I do a, like a nebulizer treatment? And so I would started with albuterol and it wouldn't touch it. And I'm like, whoa. Like no benefit. I'm like, well, let me let's do a prednisone, you know, like a budesonide treatment, which is, and it shouldn't work right now. But like over the next couple, you know, hours, you should see some benefit. <clears throat> so my medical assistant would come in and start him on it as I'm doing the exam on the kids. And I remember the first dad that I did on, and he takes mask down. He's like, I feel like my lungs can finally, like, like I can take, you know, take a deep breath again. I was like, well, what? I'm like, that doesn't, I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. This is a maintenance medication. Like I figured maybe like much later on, there could be some benefit, but it was like a minute into nebulizing it. And he's like, I feel like I can get a full breath again. Like my lungs are working again. I didn't know what to do with that. Like this is February of 2020. I'm like, and so anyway, so like fast forwarding and like, as all of this started emerging, I, I remember talking to my office managers, like, do you remember all those parents that we started doing those NEBs? And then I would like prescribe monolucast and, and, and like hydroxyzine. And they would call the next day and they're like, our symptoms are gone. And my, like, I didn't know what to do with it because it didn't, because what was coming in at us yeah. and what I was seeing were so conflicting it was, it was like, like, am I crazy? Yep. Like, like so you're, you're accumulating all these anecdotal stories because you're, I mean, you're part of the story. And so. Well, I'm so, reading and then I'm reading this, right. I'm reading this information. I'm like, how is like, I'm trying to like correlate what I'm reading, what I'm seeing real time. And then what I'm hearing and, and I already rejected this whole idea that there's nothing we can do because like, that doesn't, that, that's antithetical to science across the board. Like there's, that doesn't exist, that there's no thing that we can do. 
Um, and I would say that you know, because of the way that I think God had led these, these narratives together, it gave me, I mean, I was pumped up. I was like, I need to tell people like this, this needs to be told. So this is like April 2020. And so I was asked if I would speak at a rally in Olympia in Washington. And it was so more about the kids and what was happening in the schools. And so, um, so I have to, I'll, I'll be quick. I have to tell the story because my wife and I got in an argument. She's like, Scott, like our, you're, you're like, our clinic is finally viable. Like, like we, if you will, we've made it like we're, we're a functional clinic. Why are you willing to throw it all away? And I'm like, whoa, like not willing to throw it away. She's like, why would you go and speak in Olympia and, and like put a target on you? And I asked her, I was like, are you afraid of COVID? And she said, no. I'm like, how come? She's like, well, you know how to treat me. I'm like, find me somebody else that could answer that question the way you did. And I won't go. And that's not how I finished it. I spent like the, the night, I was like pacing around our, our property. I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I had a group of dudes that are, like, we had a meeting of the minds. They're like, if you go, like, these are the things you can say. This is what you can't say. And I'm like, I'm so conflicted. And finally, I was like, I was so exhausted. And I was like, forget it. Like, I was like, Lord, if you want me to go, then like, I'm not driving. I'm not getting up at like 5 a.m. and driving to Olympia. So if you want me to go, somebody can come pick me up if that's your will. So like 5.15 in the morning, there's somebody pounding. Like there's this knock at my door, pound, pound, pound. I finally get up and there's two women there standing in front of my door. I said, hey, we heard you need a ride to Olympia. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's no. Yeah. <laughs> no it's, it's, it's just not, it is, but I was like, and, you know, like, just biblical, it's like, all right, Lord, like, I, I, I proclaimed it. It's like, if you want me to go, then you find a way. And, and I was just like, oh, sweet, sweet Jane, like, this is, this is gonna, this is, this is gonna be an interesting ride. Um, and, um, so yeah, this I, was, you said April of 2020? This is May 10th or 12th of 2020. But not May 11th. Or May 11th, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just my stupid sense of humor, Scott. I always No, no, it was like there was this rally in, in Olympia. And, and it was, you know, I forget the exact date. I just remember like this, the, the, just the conflict. And like for me, where it's like what Shelly was saying, it's true. It's like, I have a family to care for. I've got a community to care for. But you're going to Olympia. So what was the purpose of that rally? Medical freedom. And so I was the only provider actually speaking out on medical freedom and then sharing actual information about what was going on. You said that like, like it's super easy. We're almost four years in. It's like, like people have information when like, we're talking about times where, where kids didn't see other kids for six weeks, eight weeks, right. 12 right. People weeks. People are right. They're, they're, clawing for anything anything so this was so there must have been a fair number of people that who came there it was it was um yeah yeah there was there was a it was it was not a small rally um but and in stemming from that the that literally did put like a, 
reticle on my forehead in the States started coming after me. And, um, which I initially thought was a joke. I didn't even, I didn't get attorneys for almost a year. Um, just writing back, like replying to the, the, these accusations and complaints. And it was, it was almost like a, like a onion parody. I'm like, this, this is nuts. Like this isn't even a, it's it's like a I almost I, I actually discounted it like I just wrote back it's like I assure you this didn't happen sent in all the information but I kept you know I kept speaking out and then articles were written and I was then I started getting more and more and more aggressive about making just doing everything I could for my community at least to get information on how to treat because there people in 2020, treating COVID was easier than treating a middle ear infection in a child. I, like, that's how easy it was, right? Vitamin D, C, zinc, NAC, and ivermectin, dose at 0.2 makes per cake. I mean, day one, day three, gone. I mean, yeah. easy. I mean, and hydroxychloroquine, even in the ICU at dose, gone. I, it was... I almost got cocky about it because it was, it was like, they do this and it's gone and never get cocky when you're dealing with a bioweapon. But, um, and all of a sudden 2021 comes around and the mass rollout of the shots and things went, things went downhill so fast. My brain could not keep up with, with the, uh, like people were decompensating so, so much more aggressively that, and Shelly was like, Scott, what's going on? Like, why aren't they getting better? I'm like, I don't know. And, and that's where, again, it hit me. I was like, holy crap, the shots are Delta. Like they're, they're, they're creating this next wave with these shots. I'm like, this is, this is devastating. And it was like, that's when they started you know, day eight, nine, like the whole cytokine storm. I didn't see cytokine storm in 2020 ever. 2021 comes around and it was just an absolute, wow. it, it, it was so bad that, that it, would, it, 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 like, it changed everything with how we needed to attack and, and speak out and, and protect people. And, and that's really, I mean, I was speaking out for hospitals in 2020, but by 2021, it was, it was like crisis alert. So then what did, what did you do different as far as treatment protocol in 2021 versus 20? Um, tripled the dose of ivermectin, started using colchicine. So colchicine is used for gout, but it also inhibits multiple like TNF-alpha, interleukin-1-beta, IL-6. So the primary pro-inflammatory cytokines that we see, not just with SARS, like with COVID, but other, other viral, you know, infections. Um, so that was, that was another component. Montelukast, which is a leukotriene inhibitor. So anytime you start to get lower, you know, like you get the upper respiratory, but any, anytime it's, and I don't mean like wheezing, but like you walk up your stairs and you start to have like a little, little tightness in the chest or you have to stop and take a breath. 
Um, and again, there's side effect profiles. I'm just saying what I did at that time. Sure. What was the what was the cause? Do you believe of the symptoms getting worse? So what? So when we looked at the the models from University of Washington and like Royal, whatever of London, it was like four million people are going to die in this this narrow time frame, and that didn't happen. And part of it was to create the fear in the lockdown, right. etc. But in my, and I'm just just a nobody from at a clinic in Washington. It's like I wonder if they like were they missed the mark where they thought that it actually was going to do it. It was supposed to do that. Or they're just prepping us like, just like kind of like lemmings along, but then out comes, out comes the shot. And that was more specifically targeting, especially like, like people with hypertension, people with diabetes, people with CHF, you know, people with COPD. Okay. So you're, you're, you're saying that the people, when you were treating people in your clinic, it was the ones with the shot that were she had these extreme symptoms or was it also ones that didn't get the shot that were shut on? Could you, could you see a difference? At, initially? No, because it wasn't even a question I asked. It was, you know, like, like I would get a call and it was like a skilled nursing facility, you know, 80 to 94 year olds and all of them got sick. I, I didn't ask if they had gotten vaccinated it was like, I'm on a ski lift on my, it's like February 5th of 21. I'm on a ski lift and we're skiing and, and I pull out my phone and my daughter looks at me. She's like, she named, I had like three phones and she named my phone. She's like, daddy, put Deborah away. And I was like, okay, but hold on. And I get a text and my office manager is like, and I see it and it's like this entire skilled nursing facility is sick. And I'm like, uh oh, and I just like reach over my daughter and son, I was like, handed Shelly, Mike, Shelly, read this text and tell me what to do. And she reads it. She's like, text her back, say you'll call her in a half hour. And I was like, and I told my daughter, I was like, Parker, I'm going to, we'll ski a few more runs and then daddy has to take a break. And I call him like, so I don't, I don't know what, you know, like precipitated, but all I know is it went from easy to shockingly scary within a two month window. And it was all around the time frame that, that the vaccine, the, 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 the rollout of the, the vaccines happened. And I, well, when I, you know, I've looked at these numbers a fair bit because of the research and I saw, you know, the fourth quarter of 21 is when the hospital murders hit the peak. That was also the quarter that the jab was incentivized to family practitioners to the tune of if they could get 75% of their patients jabbed, they would get a $296,000 bonus. And, you know, Oh yeah, that's, it was huge. So I have a slide in, in my research that blue cross blue shield, uh, you know, of course the government is behind Blue Cross Blue Shield, but they incentivize the family practitioners. Well, you know, when I look at that in 
terms of what was already happening. Well, Brooke Jackson had already filed their False Claims Act lawsuit in January of 21. You know, stuff was coming out and it seemed like there was a push. I mean, what was, you know, they called that the Delta variant. You know, that's what Grace supposedly had. But what was going on? You know, Grace was never vaccinated. You know, so I don't know. I mean, it seems like the the poison level, however they got this poison distributed, ratcheted up so that they could get, you know, the the jab in the majority of the population by the end of 21. Sure. I would say like through April, May, June, July, uh, let's say May, June, July, August, September, like that time frame of 21. It was probably 2080 of, of people that 2575 people that had been, you know, vaccinated versus non-vaccinated. It, it didn't matter. Like, and I spent thousands and thousands of hours, thousands of hours studying this and, and being immersed to it. I've, I've looked at every, you know, variable of, you know, like what Brian Artis talks about with, I don't even want to get into that. Um, but when, when I see something that's, that's so textbook, like day one to three, day four, five, day six, seven, like it was, it was like four different categories, either gastrointestinal, like upper respiratory, sore throat, et cetera. But by eight, nine, it was always the same. And it was right. by day eight, cytokine storm, and you're calling 911 or suffering at home because you've already gone to the hospital and they've sent you home. It, like, I've never seen something that that the only thing that mattered, I didn't care what age they were. I mean, like as an adult, like I, we had this big whiteboard in the back. I didn't care their age. I didn't care comorbidities. The only thing I cared about was date, like how right. many days they were. That was the only thing that mattered to me because that determined how aggressively we needed to treat. Before I call, like I would call and we'd follow through. It was like, you give me the day they are sick and that's going to give me the amount of fear that I have for their overall well-being. I, Grace and I both experienced that same thing. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was a few days behind Grace. I ended up in the hospital uh, three days after Grace died, and it was the same thing. I mean, that that cytokine storm starting day eight, day nine, and it was. I don't, you know, that's, you don't, you don't really have a solution to that mystery as to far as the cause you're, you're just looking at you, you did a different treatment protocol based on the day the person was at. Well, it's, listen, if they were yeah, day two, day three, it was like, listen, this is what we're looking at, mitigate it, right? Like we, we knew the inflammatory mediators that are causing it. And we know the things that shut it down. Like if somebody's already in the hospital, and, and we couldn't, I don't want to get into how we were able to get people home, but it's like, I would talk to the ICU doctors, like put them on thiamine, like give them 200 milligrams of thiamine twice a day. Thiamine is potent inhibitor of like L17, like these inflammatory, you know, prosthetokine mediator, you know, prosthetokine, things that, that seriously, I just edit 
I've probably spent 800 hours on the phone with, with pulmonologists and intensivists talking about A, do no harm, B, benign things that we can do to, you know, like hypertonic saline, nebulizing, you know, all these things. And it was rare that they would even consider doing basic things, vitamin D, vitamin C. It's like, well, they're on a, They, they, they would put them on a multivitamin, like 800 IU of vitamin D, 500 milligrams of vitamin C, five to seven milligrams of zinc. And it's like nothing, you know, it's a, it's not enough. Right. It's not a thing. It's, 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 it's like, Hey, I've got a headache. I'm like, here's five milligrams of Motrin. Like, really? I mean, it was like, and we know, but it was like, just this, like, like when you talk about the, these your daughter didn't die because of COVID. She was murdered. Like, like, like all of these people, like this, this is mass freaking genocide. This is absolutely, it's murder. If I can, if I can go into 500 homes as a note, like, like I'm not an intensivist, right? I'm just a regular guy. And I can walk into 500 homes of people sitting in 60s, 70s, low 80s. Within an hour, we've got them in the mid 90s. And, and I, I have a, just a basic conversation with a pulmonologist or intensivist. And I'm like, not telling what to do. I'm just like chit-chatting. Like you used to be able to do collegially. I'm like, listen, so you've got them on six milligrams of dexamethasone and, and oxygen and nothing else. And you're not giving them any fluid. They've been dehydrated for days. They've been septic. Like, how about you treat? Well, that's not our protocol. Yep. Always blaming, always blaming the protocol because the protocol was where the money was at. Yeah. Let's fast. We've got a lot of questions to cover, Scott. So I just, I, I would like to, before we move into the questions, have the audience understand where are things at with your license right now? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. <clears throat> my wife is like be careful about what you say right now um so uh i so last month I, we we had an injunction with a with a local court for the judge to try and kick out the first stipulation, which was a voluntary inpatient neuropsychiatric evaluation in Kansas with, uh, with a clinic that's directly affiliated with the Washington Medical Commission, which obviously I can't do. So we were trying to get that kicked out. In the process of doing that, they, they allowed, so, so they manufacture complaints and by that, so, so Great. in like, like Dr. Jensen, like in, in Minnesota, Great. Scott Jensen has five complaints. Ryan, Dr. Cole has four complaints. Dr. Merrill Nass, three complaints. I've got a hundred and 120 complaints, not from patients outside of pharmacy and hospital complaints. So, so there's like, like the direct so, so all these, which what, I, so these, these lies all got brought into court. 
well, not court in, into the WMC, but what, what they determined over this last six weeks, because they, they send these, what's called a letter of cooperation. So it's like, you have a complaint against you and there's a letter of cooperation. So my attorneys, I sit down and we like answer the questions, et cetera. And they, they wrote back and said, we find that your answers are insufficient. So I had a, a narrow window of time to answer. So I, I wrote back to attorney Glean or Glein at the medical commission. I was like, I had two days, like I had a two day window to respond. I was like, listen, I need to confer with my attorneys to be able to figure out how you want me to answer this better for you, you know, so I can be, you know, like a productive part of this investigation. And he didn't respond anyway. So, um, so as of, I don't remember what day, um, like last month, they determined that I did not respond or that I, I was, I, because I didn't sufficiently respond, they kind of just arbitrarily chose to do a permanent revocation of my license without any means to challenge it. And determined that I was, because I started, a, I did a bunch of integrative health practitioner certification courses and started network wellness. And, and there was a complaint that somebody sent to the medical commission based on my website that it looked like I was practicing medicine and I should be investigated, which again, I did the letters of cooperation. They determined that I didn't sufficiently answer those. So they said that I am practicing medicine illegally and um, are looking at bringing charges against me. So, so that's where, so you've lost your license and they're looking at this practicing medicine without a license charge, but yeah. you're, what you are doing is you have, you're still helping people by sure. really the same thing, but you're not standing on your license anymore. Is well, that? And, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm not diagnosing, right? Like, I don't, I don't even care about a diagnosis. I mean, correct. Diagnosis is it's an ICD 10 code that you send to the insurance company. So you get a bill for like the diagnosis is right. It's all, it's yeah. all part of the, it's all part of the medical industrial complex. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> praise God, you're out of that right now. And so you don't have, you know, but unfortunately people are programmed to think, well, if my insurance doesn't cover it. So you, you know, you've gotten through that, I'm guessing because you're well known in your local community and people trust you. Correct. Um, Interestingly, um, and, and this is where I think people, I think it's important for people to understand. Um, so I'm sorry, like, I, like there's nothing behind me. Um, I have to, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting everything down here because we have to, I, I need to leave. Um, so I just shut in like, as we we're talking, I, so I was talking to your producer, he was asking him, so I've been up for two days, um, trying to. Like, I don't know when this is going to air, but I, like, I, I need to leave. Um, um, what do you mean by that? Why, why do you need to leave? <clears throat> don't go against the state, right? Like, I mean, like, um, yeah, uh, yeah. 
So it, what they what they determined was I was practicing medicine illegally. That that initially is a misdemeanor and fines and jail time. And if there's any other possible complaints or or perspective, you know, issues with that, that's that's felony charges. Yeah, it's, it's, it's problematic and there's no defense. I have, you know, when somebody says I went on his website and it looked like it was medical and it looked like his previous like pediatric practice, he should be investigated and they do. And I, I answer all their questions and they determined that it wasn't sufficient enough. And then they determine unilaterally that I'm practicing medicine without a license and they can now come after me outside of the the medical commission, they can come after me, uh, like legally, it's a problem. Well, I agree. I mean, the whole system is, it's all designed against the truth. It, there is, you cannot, you, I mean, I've come to that conclusion. You cannot beat them because they're all in on it. So, uh, so we can, we can beat them. It's just, I just looked at, so I've got a stack here. Uh, uh, like, this is where I'm like, thank God. My wife said to me, she's like, when I said, she's like, you picked the wrong, like they picked the wrong person. Um, because like when they did the emergency suspension of my license, it was to shut me up. I was like, oh, like, it's like my joke was like, oh, that's cute. They're funny. Like they think that like, like suspending my license is the thing that's going to shut me up. It's like, that's the only thing I had that they could control me with to keep me from actually speaking out. Correct. And I, I didn't send you, and I apologize. I've had a lot of stuff going on, but if I sent you the, the discussions I had with the hospitals, like, like you get your audience to hear like the real time discussions I have with physicians, ICU doctors, like ICU intensivists and pulmonologists, your minds would be blown because they like you tell your story. It's like, well, really? Like, did they really do it? It's like, yes, they literally murdered. They like it's murder. And, and I like all these calls because my mind, like initially I didn't record it because I'm just having a conversation and I start to get into it. And I'm like, what part of my life? What the shit are they doing? Like what, what has happened? How, how are they not treating? It's like, you have a DNI and they're like, they're on oxygen. You're like, well, we're going to put them on, on, you know, sedatives and, and, you know, sedative hypnotics until they die. And I'm like, that's, you're murdering them. And I'm yeah. like, whoa, hold on. And mind you, like, like, thank God, like that phone call that I was on. So that gentleman is a friend of mine on Facebook. I met them at a rally. He's alive because his wife heard what was going on. And she and I had a conversation. It's like, it's up to us to get him out of the hospital. Are you on board? And she's like, yep. And so we got him out of the hospital, like nothing crazy, but it, it, that's what it took for, for, for like family members or spouses where they're like, holy cow, like they're like, they're literally going to euthanize yeah. your loved one. And um, I'm not supposed to, not supposed to say those words. I'm not supposed to name the the doctors that did it or the commissioners that sanctioned it. Um, but at some point, I mean, at some point.
I don't, I don't know how to be more, I'm pretty not, people don't consider me low key, but I mean, like, like I just like I want to be a good husband and father and, and like a, like a, just a good dad and, and human being to my family. And at the same time, it's like, I want to make sure that everybody has moms and dads and, and sons and daughters to be around. It's like, how do you balance the desperate need to get information out to people to like even early treatment and all the protocols, like nobody's, nobody's doing the early treatment. It's like this whole white lung thing. And like, it's all so easy to make go away if you have the stuff on hand, right? Like an emergency is like, if you don't have what you need to make it go away, nobody has anything. It's like, they think it's just ivermectin. It's like, uh, uh-uh. like that's stable. Like I just, I, I took 24 milligrams of ivermectin on Friday. I took 24 milligrams of ivermectin yesterday because of who my wife was around. But if I was sick, I'd be doing like 18 other things and it would all be gone in a day. Well, we should, we should go through that. I want to, so what people, what people have to understand is, is what we are talking about is literally happening in hospitals yet today. This had nothing to do with COVID. No, this is, oh, okay. So four-year-old girl goes into a hospital in Palo Alto with diarrhea. They put her on Lasix. She ends up going into renal failure. They put her on dialysis, put a neck port in. She bleeds out. They have to get a court injunction to get dad's blood so they don't get other blood. That was a debacle. And then I get a call. Anyway, long story where, where it's like, well, and we figure out a solution, like actually talk to a doctor that was reasonable and got like everything fixed to the point where she should be discharged. But they didn't, they didn't give her any electrolytes. So she has a, a seizure event at like five in the morning. They ventilate her. So now this four-year-old girl is put on a ventilator. CPS, so the hospital has been calling CPS. And and I remember talking to the judge, like it's a Zoom. I'm talking to the judge. I'm like, like trying to determine who gets to have control over the medical decision-making of this four-year-old child. And I was talking to the judge like on Zoom, which is just going up here in Palo Alto. But I was like, I talked to four different doctors that had four different recommendations or, or like treatment modality going to allow. So it's like, if you have four different doctors saying four different things, which doctor are you going to pick that's going to be the yeah. voice of, of that child? Because you're taking the, if you're going to take the voice away from the mom and dad, and you're going to pick a doctor, like you better effing pick the right one for her to be able to go home because the other three picked wrong and put her into renal failure and put her on a ventilator. So you better be really careful about your decision. How long ago? This just, this is just recent, correct? Oh, last month. Yeah. Yeah. We just had one two weeks ago where a family reached out to us. Unfortunately, they, it was too late. I mean, the, 19 year old down syndrome daughter went into the hospital in the morning with a sore throat. She was dead in the evening. And, um, so, so this is, this is what people don't understand. Like what you just said, like I jumped in on that. And like, I took a second where it's like, that's not tragic. 
freaking helicopters should be flying over that hospital with spotlights and like a thousand people should be outside of that hospital demanding M&Ms, like morbidity, you know, like morbidity, mortality, like what, how in these just, how, like that should never, ever, ever happen. No less it happening in every hospital across the country every day. This is, the news isn't talking about it. This is yeah. happening everywhere constantly. They had a seizure, ventilate, they had the UTI, UTI, and they die five days later with a UTI going into the ER. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's freaking insane. And like, and that's where it's like, as a father, where they can say, well, you're just a bereaved father. It's like, no, yeah. I mean, yes, but you're, you're in the know. And, and like, for me having, I don't want to say the luxury cause it's not a, it's not a luxury being asked to advocate for hundreds of people, but like having the opportunity to experience talking to intent, like I infectious disease and, and pulmonologists and intensivists in like 33, 34 states over the last say 30 months and hearing the same exact like like programmed yep. the exact same words like there's no differentiation it's like well this is what we do it, it, they're like freaking robots that story with the four-year-old what did the judge decide she thank god decided that unless it was the situation where it was like life or death that the parents were able to retain decision-making. And with that, I mean, we had a, there's a, a group called remnant nurses. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Michelle, yep, I'm familiar with them. Okay. And so phenomenal, like they're, um, yeah. Remnant nurses are like what they've created is, is just a, absolute blessing for people to be able to contact. That's how, that's how they, they contacted remnant nurses and they contacted a nurse in California who met me in San Antonio and, and contacted me. And that's how I got involved to be able to, to help facilitate things. But yeah, um, it's Michelle Overton, uh, with remnant nurses and her group. They're, they're just angels. I mean, they're just like, like so anybody that's like, I don't know what to do. Like that would be like the first, like first step is contacting like a group like that. I don't know any others. I just know that what she's doing is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I've, I've, uh, Kimberly and I have spoken together on the stage many times. She came to Grace's. Wait, did I say Michelle? You just said Michelle, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just, you just said that. It's like Kimberly, you know, yeah. just, I just wrong, but Kimberly Overton. Yeah. That's my bad. And, and listen, I haven't slept for a long time, so I apologize. Yeah, um, that's okay. I'm, I'm yeah. extending grace when I realized, Thank <laughs> you know, I yeah. should extend it anyway, but I realize you haven't slept. So, but I, you know, you, you were saying, what do people need to have now with the current shenanigans that they're unleashing on, on us? So what, what do people need to have? 
Uh, so, so I'll just say I sent I sent this to you like the link on MillerWellness.net where I have one and I didn't label it. It's called Survive, and I put a paywall because of the tax I get. I'll just tell people. I mean, like if you go on, I I go. It's it's funny because I sit here and I, I break everything down. I get my nebulizer machine and I start mixing conclusions. I go break it down. I debunk stuff. It's like, well, hydrogen peroxide is, is like going to harm your lungs. So I take I take a thing of hydrogen peroxide, like 3%, and I pour it into my nebulizer, and I start nebulizing. And I did this. I was like, I mean, uh, I don't like that. I, it, it burned. I was like, I, like, I just took a whiff. Like, so, and then I'm like, so don't do that, right? Like, yeah. Like, listen, you can, you can take too much of anything. I was like, I don't like that. So I pour it out and it's like, so let's be thoughtful about it. So I do a three to one of saline and hydrogen peroxide. And I pour it in a couple of drops of iodine, a little cysteine, and I put it on. And I was like, and I start nebulizing. I'm like, oh, huh. Like, that's lovely. I mean, like, like you have any upper or lower, you know, lower respiratory issues. It's like you start nebulizing that. Holy cow. Like, and I mix it up a little bit. Like, I, I had, one of these that I had um, powdered ivermectin that I dissolved down. And so I did a whole thing on nebulizing ivermectin. Like, you can nebulize ivermectin? I'm like, yeah, you can nebulize lots of things if it's in the right form. You can sure. nebulize melatonin, you can nebulize magnesium. <clears throat> but so everyone, every household needs to have a nebulizer machine. Not a vaporizer, a nebulizer. Yeah, a nebulizer, right. You can go on Amazon and get it. You can go to a local <clears throat> medical, you know, like pharmaceutical, you know, like a medical supply store and get it. Make sure you get the mask because people weary of having the mouthpiece in, especially if they don't get one that like right. kicks off that. Like put the mask on. Um, you can go on Amazon and get saline, like just normal 0.9 saline. You can get like like food grade hydrogen peroxide and you could like, 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 like I say three to one, I'm not telling people to do that. That's what I do for my family. My son had RSV and <clears throat> it was last, last January. And I created a little concoction. And I mean, he was, I mean, it was bad. I mean, I was listening to his lungs. I was like, holy cow. I didn't need to test him. I knew it was RSV. I've done this for 15 years. And I did continuous neb for like 45 minutes as he was going to bed. He woke up the next day and his symptoms were gone. So I also gave him colchicine and hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Because why not? Like, duh. Like, like sure. Pick, pick things that like have a high like, like safety profile, no brainer. Right. Antiviral, anti whatever. It's like basic things. And what is cult I, what I, is cultrazine? Cultrazine is used for gout. Okay. So 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 in so I did a, a, a whole forum a couple of years ago and somebody said if you have two med two medications that you could have, what would they be? <clears throat> Preventative. And I said ivermectin and cultrazine, hands down. Because of the the mechanisms, the inhibitory mechanisms that are so tnf alpha interleukin 6 and and il1 beta right like those pro-inflammatory cytokines colchicine just 
knocks out. So in the hospital, like I'd imagine for Grace, they were trying to give tocolizumab or baricitinib. Toxilisumab, right. They were, yeah. So like sweet jink. So you're talking about, so they use that for rheumatologic issues, right? So that's an IL-6 inhibitor. One, one thing, except, except the side effect profile of that, increasing like mycoplasma pneumonia and toxoplasmosis, histoplasmosis, like you're literally increasing all of these like lower respiratory infections with that super expensive, shockingly toxic, stupid medication. But it was like anywhere from like six to $14,000 Oh, more awesome. than more than that. Yeah. So well, they, you know, we never, we never, uh, I never approved that. What happened was I started researching. I had my laptop in the room with Grace. And so when the doctor recommended that, I said, spell it. So he spells it. And I, I, uh, when I researched did, even, I, did they know how to say it? Well, I say it toxilisumab, but you know, I don't. Well, they're like, I've asked them, they're like, well, it's Tosa. It was like, it's called Tosa. You know, like if they can't yeah. say the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found out. You know, so then I, like, step back. If you can't say the word of the thing that you're trying to put into my, you know, family system, like, you should just. Yeah, that's step one, right? If you can't say it. And, and so I showed them the New England Journal of Medicine study and I said, you know, look at. And so they got mad at me. And so as I. Oh, became whoa, whoa. Why, 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 why did they get well, mad at you? Because, well, I know why after the fact, I mean, I thought it was just the arrogance of a hospital setting, but it wasn't the arrogance of a hospital setting because toxilisumab was one of the emergency use authorization approved drugs and it was $22,000 a dose. So that's why they got mad at me. And I found that out, of course, after the fact, because I had another another down syndrome lady who lost her life. The mom sent me the records and I, sh- I saw that in the records. So then I knew, I knew why they were pushing toxilisumab at that point and, you know, with the dollars, but then I looked it up and the, the e emergency use authorization drugs and it was on the list. So, you know, you know one of three, right? They had three remdesivir, tocilizumab and baricitinib. So one that causes HIV, like active HIV, like, pneumonias, like atypical pneumonias, which is baricitinib, tocilumab, or tocilumab, that as, and I had this debate with a pulmonologist, and like, it's like affecting one, one inflammatory pathway. Like, why not do something that costs like, and when I say a dollar, it's not a dollar, it's like 80 cents to give colchicine. Like I use colchicine ubiquitously for especially people that were hypertensive, that were on, like anybody on lisinopril, like ACE inhibitors, like, listen, you you get COVID and you're on an ACE inhibitor, holy lick. I mean, the the difficulty of, of down-regulating the inflammatory components of that, because it's increasing, it's increasing the, the spike to be able to bind to that receptor. So you've got 90, you know, 90 million doses of, of, ACE inhibitors, and you again, you're like a new wave. We've got a new wave. Like that's super problematic. And so, you know, if you're on an ARB, like if you're on an ACE, that's problematic. You know, like I don't, I don't like any of them, but you've got to be really, really conscientious because if somebody's on lisinopril and they get COVID, I, I don't want to get into the, the, 
the dynamics of it, but like, like you you need to like really really increase your your therapeutic regimen because you're you're going against the grain. What is Scott? What is the reason you think you know we've got four years of this craziness, and yet hardly anybody is speaking out? What is the what's going on? What's your, what's your question? I said we have almost four years uh, of this craziness. So okay. Um so as 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 I'm closing my second business down, um to be able to take care of my family fairly adequately i had like i had a business i had employees i was able to have a profound impact positive impact on my community without like being underground like just as a like i was with the, the hospitals like i i took state insurance so it was like um they didn't have social workers try and find somebody that would take like like high risk babies. Like I took all of them. Um, I was, I was, it's 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 almost comical. Like I was, I was a decent citizen and and a highly respected practitioner in my community um, until I started not only questioning things, but then like treating and then like actively pushing back. And then like, I didn't lose my job, right? Like, it's not like I got fired. I, I lost my license, which then lost like a, a very like thing. I mean, like it was blessed to have a very successful business. It was gone like that, like just the snap of a finger. It was all gone. Where, where it's like, my wife and I look around, it's like, we're like, pardon me, it's like, holy shit. They, yeah. they just took everything away from us immediately without repercussion. Like, we're, we have no say in any of it. And with that, like, you know, six plus figures of, of legal bills. So why don't people speak out if, if everyone did? Like if, because as you know, like, like my, my friends and colleagues know, it's like, so somebody said to me yesterday that, and you can edit this out because it's, he's like, Scott, you, you've got the biggest cojones of anyone I've ever met. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, I don't like it. It has nothing to do with that. You, know, you look at the parable of the the talent. It's like I I wasn't given one talent, and like I'm no one special. It's just that it's like God just decided to give me enough talents. It's like what do you do with those? It's like do you bury them or do you do you magnify them? Like what do you do with the talents that that God gives you? And and because of how I felt, He not how the overt 
like messaging that he gave me early on. It was like, he kept giving me all like the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm not that smart. Like, I'm like, like, how do I figure this stuff out? And stuff? I'm not like, well, it's manifest. It's like the Holy Spirit's like, study this, read this. Da, da, da. Like, how do I, how did I know how to, like, I didn't help 500 people or a thousand people or, or, or 2000. It was, I mean, and when I say I, it's like the, the, like our collective effort, like helped thousands and thousands of people. That's not because I'm smart. Yeah. I was dedicated. I was receptive. I was willing. Yeah. But the outcome, you, you know, to the degree where it's you know, like, even my wife was like, 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 no. like, we've been living in tents for a year and a half in our backyard because our, anyways, so um, so it's like the penalty of speaking out because there's no, there's, there's no, there's no team behind me. There's no, like, it's, I mean, I've been in like an army of God in one and nothing else. And so like, it's no one should go through it. Like, why don't other people speak out? Because it's the worst penalty that you could possibly do why don't people speak out i don't know because it's the greatest possible thing that you can that you can do to serve humanity so yeah that's right that's right I, uh, so why don't people I, speak out? I don't know because f all that it's like you serve you serve you serve and then you trust that god will give you the manna to make it through the day and that's what he's done for us every day like like we're not hungry we're not cold We've been wet. We've been cold and wet, but, um, but, like, if you want to get biblical, it's like you serve a higher power, and you take the talents that He gives you, and you unapologetically serve your your community. Yep, that's. Uh, I, I was didn't know where what you would answer, but that's that's spot on. Yeah, it's that they're they've sold out to the world, and or they're uh, afraid. They, so they haven't, they haven't sold out. Like, listen, I've got, I, I, I want you to comment on this. I have good friends that they watched what happened to me and they just like, like, like suck back in. We're like, like they wanted nothing. Like, like my name is just, it's like, no, like I don't exist. Like, I don't care about that. Like that, that's insignificant me it's like but their fear of like actively treating and, and managing whatever or saying words yeah and, and so I, I my question i guess to you is because you said that and it's like i've had to process like Like I, I cannot, like the people in the hospitals and, and primary cares where they just overtly lied and, and murdered people. It's like, like, I want the wrath of, like, however, however God wants to choose that. It's like, I want the wrath of, of justice to fall upon them for friends where they will share information with, within their clientele, their patient base. It's like, I respect that. I've seen, I've had people that have 
spent like you know like a short period of time that have done heroic things to save lives but then they're like burned out or they're scared um but if we all just literally like collectively all stood up it this would be gone correct yeah so what are your thoughts on that well i agree i i had the the luxury of working with Vera Sherov, a Holocaust survivor for several months. Um, and we did a number of interviews together and, you know, that is, it's her message. We have to, we have to stand up and, you know, biblically we are responsible to stand up and it's because when there is a mandate or a, an illegal law, we are supposed to disobey it. Uh, so that's that's a hundred percent right. I mean, God gave us the way to stand against this already. Unfortunately, being part of the world or fear, both both of those things, it prevents people from doing it. They they <clears throat> on top of that, we've been programmed for so you know, critical thinking has been completely trained system. Um, so it is it's very rare that. You know, we've been programmed to trust the government, trust the American dream. Our government's there to take care of us. All these crazy things, and you know, they it's set up for for this time. And you know, I I believe that we are in the the days of Noah, where evil is being called good and good being called evil. So none of this shocks me with that paradigm. Uh, but, but you said yes, we that, but you said we were set up ahead. for this time, and then. Like I look at you with, and it's it's like, even how you start your story where it's like, like I'm, like I'm, I'm not not cal like like obviously not callous, but it's like I listen to your intro and I see Gracie and it's like it's like I'm about to come on and I'm starting to, like I'm trying not to cry. Because it's so, it breaks my heart, right? Because it's just, it's so, it's so, it, it's like, I think about the words, it's not so unnecessary. It's not so tragic. It's willfully, programmably, blatantly, actively, pointedly murder. Like, like there's like, it's, and then it's like, how do we, how do we figure out how to process that? These people that we're supposed to trust, like, and then, and then, like, I've got a fairly prodigious capital here, but it's like I don't know how to say not say the f word. It's like they're effing murdering innocent yep. human beings every day. It's like they, my mom's like Scott, watch your mouth. I'm like, yes, mom, you're right. But it's like I don't like I don't know how to use strong enough words to to like fire and brimstone. It's like like what kind of like judgment do I want on these people? And it's like that's up to God. But it's like, in like, when I look at what I have, it's like I want to burn them down. Oh, I, 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 I'm thank God that He gave me the spirit of forgiveness to be able to talk about this because He gave me quite a bit bigger message, which I'm gonna bring in when I close. And you know, I'll share what has is really on my heart. Why I think the real reason Grace was taken prematurely was was what he showed me and i'll be sharing that in closing but before i get to my close how can people help you we're going to have your gifts and go in the show notes uh but just be specific as you can as to how people can help scott so 
I, like what you were talking about with, with Grace, like that's, I mean, I'll answer that later. I think what you're doing to honor her and like the time and commitment, like where, where it's, where it's just like, why? Like, like it doesn't make sense. Like there's no sense in this. It's like just innocence lost for no reason. Correct. Like this beautiful thing. And, and you taking that, like where you can just, you taking that and creating what you did, um, in like from my take, say, if, if like my fight is different, your, your plight is different, but like what you have done to honor her and create this, this, this platform and message, it's, um, it's so beautiful. Like your message and how you structure it and, and, and the way that you honor her, but yet that share this information. It's, um, so why, so my dad died in a plane crash when I was 19. I was supposed to be in the plane. I didn't get the plane. Wow. And it was, it blew up in our yard and it was like, why, you know, like kind of crazy story, but it was like, you know, where everybody thought I was dead and then they realized that I had opted out and a father and son took my place and they all died. And which sucked like trying to figure out the why and then like multiple things. But so, so knowing like, like, like had I made different decisions, he wouldn't have died, but it's like, that's like, I didn't make those decisions. Like that's not up to me. Right. Like I didn't kill my dad. Like, like my decisions didn't lead to him dying. It wasn't random. Like, what do I do with it as, as a kid and growing up as an adult and as you as a father, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't like, should I have sent her or not sent her? Like I'd listen to people that with all of their skills, like, like, we're not that, we're not that smart. Yeah. We're not like, like if, if I could have, should have, would have, it's like, we're not that smart. I mean, I managed 4,000 COVID patients. And I lost them. I'm not that smart. Like this is this is not some like you me like this is this is a spiritual warfare battle that we're dealing with. And so part of it is it's just making sure we're always connected to our creator. But um, I just wanted to say what what you've done with this is truly beautiful. So thank you for taking your that that loss and hurt and obviously the big heart and creating something beautiful out of it. God is, God is, uh, he's opened up so many doors and he's kept me. The other thing that he does is not just kept open the doors. He's kept me out of trouble um, because, you know, there's a lot of people in this um, medical freedom movement who are, you know, they're, um, it's not good. So, Anyway, he's kept me, he's kept me away from the people that I shouldn't be with. And, um, he has, he's lit a path for me to follow. And like you said before, I mean, all of a sudden these, I'm not that smart either, but you know, I get this and all of a sudden, wow, you know, all this stuff seems to come at the exact right time. You know, I don't know how that's even possible. I mean, you got to do the work. I mean, I, that's God's timing. 
Exactly. I mean, it's like, like, like our timing sucks. God's timing is divine, right? We forget that. We think Yeah, like it's not like you just let go of the steering wheel. It's like Jesus take the wheel. Like put your hands on the wheel, but make sure that you've got a guiding light that allows you to steer it to where you need to go. It's not just right the absence of like functioning. It's like just make sure that you're always plugged in to that to that that being right. Because listen, yeah. I'm freaking lost. I, the the input that comes in. I had somebody say, Scott, you can do good but not right. And I was like, whoa, whoa, that and it freaked me out. It's like, you can, you can do good, but something that's not right is like, make sure that you always like, you said that you pray about it. It's like, or like you ask the Holy spirit to give you the guidance of understanding. Am I doing like, it sounds good like to do that, but is it what you are being asked and called to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, oh, Scott, outside of the gifts and go, is there anything that people can do to help? Okay, so there's okay, a couple of things. So on, so we we've got MillerWellness.net, and there's there's a full scripts on there. So it's like like anybody that's like buying like their vitamin D or C or zinc or NAC or whatever, if they go on our full scripts, that helps. There's also I didn't name this. There's a we had to put it behind a paywall because of all of the attacks on me. Um, so it's a one-time payment where I've got videos on how to do everything, like, like all like nebbing and all the meds and all the, the I'm not treatment, just what I would do if it was me. Yep. If it was my wife, my kids, or, you know, part of it is like, like, you know, certain funds, like whatever. This is what you need to do. This is these are the things that you need to have. Like you have to have these things, and you do these things because I, for, for three and a half years, I've walked into the homes of the sickest human beings you have ever seen, and so I've got to like, and I walk in, and I joke, it was like, like how did you do that? And I'm like, well, I have a snappy sport coat, and a tie, and a complete indifference to my own personal wealth. That was my, that was my joke. Like they would open the door, just like a crack, and he's like, "Are you able to come in?" I was like, I was like, "May I come in?" I'd open up and I'd give him a hug, and I'm like, "Oh, we're we're doing that," and they're freaking out. I'm like, <laughs> and I was like, they're like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Listen, if I'm not gonna be okay, then you're not gonna be okay, and we're both gonna be okay." Is it? I'm afraid to walk into a home of somebody that's sick as all get out. Then I better stop. Like if I have fear of doing that, then I don't know what I'm doing. And I've done that for locally. I mean, like, like it would just drive around like Clark County. It's just like going to home and home and home and home and home. And it's like, you just do all these things. It's like, whoo. And they're at church a week later when they were supposed to be dead at a hospital. It's like, like fear kills hope restore. Right. Yep. That's right. on. And that's the biggest thing I would say is like, have the stuff you need and just like remove fear from your lexicon. Like take right. all the stuff that you're seeing in the media and just like shut it down. Like understand, like use it because that's their playbook for their next attacks. We already know what they're doing next. 
Correct. But don't be afraid. Just be knowledgeable and have the things that you need so that you can cruise. I mean, like easily cruise through this next wave. Right on. I'm going to do a, a very short close, Scott, and then come back to you for the final word. Don, can you bring up slide seven, uh, the Satan Choices slide, while I talk through my closing, please? I said Satan. What did I say? Satan's closing, Satan's choices. There we go. All right. So, you know, as I'm waking up, I see that virtually everything that I believed was a lie. Uh, we, the biggest sigh up that I have learned is that we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, that's a much larger sigh up than COVID, but there's a larger sigh up that's in play right now. And that is the esoteric lesser of two evils lie that Satan sowed in the garden. And over 6,000 years, it looks like this graphic that Don brought up. So, you know, the evil is being exposed. Uh, Scott and I are, are doing that, you know, that the great reset is you know the the biggest evil plan that i could ever come up with but then what is being proposed on the other side the less evil side uh, is the great awakening and the reason i say that's the less evil side is because it's not scriptural and the reason it's not is because the people preaching the great awakening are, are lacking acknowledging how we got here we got here from rejection of God, which means the only way out of this is repentance. And that's what God has put on my heart to share every chance I get. Uh, don't use Grace's story to expose evil because exposing evil plays into Satan's playbook that he wants to reinvent himself as the less evil angel of light. So then we end up going from the frying pan to the fire. And the way, you know, in terms that people would be used to understanding, um, the great reset is in the blue pill concept. Everybody just, oh, we'll just go along with this. We're we're blue pilled, and then once we're red pilled and we start pursuing knowledge, okay, well we'll have enough knowledge to get out of this, and then we'll get to the great awakening. But what God wants is for us to take the white pill, and that's the only way out of this uh, entire evil versus less evil matrix that Satan has set up and. The white pill is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Scott, with that being said, you've got the final word. I was listening to you going through that and, and those diversion paths. And um, you, you said it more poignantly than I can. Um, I am so... I am steeped in so much of of this and the the words that I I mean like the the things that people say where where it's like you're talking about this divergence and it's like like there it's just it's like it's just like if if we're gonna make it, it's having just like not not a fork in the road, it's a direct path to our, our Lord and Savior. And if and because there's times that I think I'm smart enough to discern, like, like even from like the medical side that I feel like it's part of what I have come to believe and see, like just physically see as true. And then I'm like, they just started to say things that 
are antithetical to you know, everything that I've seen. I'm like, what do I do with that? And I was like, that's a stupid question to ask. What do I do with that? Like, what, what do I do with that? Like, and if, if we're not connected, if, if we're, if, if we're going to make it through this, like we need to just go like this and just like, Lord, like, like, like we need to be connected to the actual power source of knowledge and like all this other stuff. Like, yeah, we can listen to it. We can be curious about it, but we need to plug into our, our creator or we're in trouble. That's right. Right on. Very well said, Scott. Scott, it was really a pleasure to get to know you today and have you as a guest on my program. So I'll, uh, I'll talk with you right after Don signs us out and then I'll connect with you uh, via text afterward with a couple of follow-ups. So thanks for coming on today. It's my pleasure. Further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.